Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, Postables. You're listening to Deliver Me a Podcast, hosted by Casey, Jess, and me, Cammy. Special thanks to James Jandrish for letting us use his amazing music. Now, sit back, relax, grab a Yoohoo and a stamp collection, and here we go. Hello, Hallmarkies and Postables. Welcome to the Hallmarkies Podcast, the Deliver Me a Podcast segment. We are here to talk about Sign Seal Delivered One in a Million. I am Cami Clements and I am your host for today, Lucky Me, and I am joined by three lovely people. My two co-hosts, Jess. Hey guys. And Casey. Hi everybody. We're so excited today. <laughs> Because we have a special returning guest star with us, Mr. Lane Edwards. Hi, everybody. Hope you're safe and well. Wonderful. Okay, so Lane, the last time that you came on, it was to talk about Dark of Night, right. where you played Michael Wheeler, a very different role from, <laughs> from, from your role in One in a Million. And you said that there was an interesting story about it, how you were not the original choice for Lester Kimsicle. Can you well, tell us about Well, first of all, that? you're right. Michael Wheeler and Lester Kimsicle couldn't be more different. I oh, they're know. opposite ends of the scale. Uh, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, the uh, uh, original, uh, the uh, Peter Benson was originally cast as... Uh, Lester Kimson. Uh, uh, Martha's talked about this. He um, would have been hysterical. Yeah, and uh, he had uh, an opportunity to work on something, some live theater that was just a really, really wonderful opportunity for him. And Martha was gracious enough to let him uh, out to be able to do that. Um, and so uh, I had come in before every before every episode of before films before every episode of tv all the cast get together and they all sit around the table and they read the script and it's usually videotaped by some by the network in in la and uh they sort of watch it this way on zoom or on skype um and the director watches it and it's an opportunity for everybody sort of in every department all the department heads to hear the words and to to hear the script and uh so one of the things they do is they hire people to come in and read roles for the people that can't be there for the episode. So they asked me, they hired me to come in and uh, I didn't have any idea uh, that I'd be reading Kimsicle. I, I had never seen the script before, had no idea who the character was. Martha came to me before we all sat down and she said, listen, this character's really important. She said, uh, you, can't be, you can't go too big with him. Um, and we, and we want to make this, we want to make him memorable. 
And I said, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll do my best. And done and I, done. I, and I think because I didn't, I really didn't have anything to lose. It wasn't an audition. Right. We were just having fun. And so I had fun. And uh, we had a lot of laughs in the table read. And a couple of days later, um, the executive producer, I don't think it was Kevin Fair, I think it was someone else, uh, brought me in to read for the role, which I was, I was pretty surprised. And we had more fun in the audition and we kind of refined it a little bit. And they asked me if I'd be willing to play him. And I was surprised because I'd already done a really serious, a really serious role um, in Dark of Night. And they let me come out and play with, with Kimsicle. And it was as, as rewarding and as, as, um, as rewarding an experience as an actor as Dark of Night was, just in a completely different way. It's really, really fun to be able to come and play with someone like Kevin Fair and Amelia Olerup is a riot. And, uh, <laughs> and of course the rest of the cast, we just, it was just a ton of fun, so. Watching you, uh, watching you flirt with her was uh, one of my many oh, giggle man. fits. <laughs> yeah, then her expression of like, uh, no, no way. <laughs> I felt like I had to go all the way with that. I felt like if I didn't, if I wasn't true to how Lester was feeling, that I wouldn't really read. So, <laughs> well, hello. Okay. <laughs> It wouldn't have surprised me if she said, you know, I have a gun, right? <laughs> that would have been the right response. <laughs> okay, well, before we dive in, everybody, it's prop time. So Jess and I have owls in honor of Rita, and I also am borrowing my daughter's owl blanket. Casey, oh, there we go. There Casey's goes. got a yellow rose for a very <laughs> special ending for a very special ending conversation and lane's got his baseball this baseball for... was signed by the calgary cannons who were my favorite baseball team before i moved nice. to uh vancouver um and uh obviously now i'm a fan of the canadians but uh yeah my dad got this signed for me by every player on the team when he was the national anthem singer and they were wow. our uh, our professional minor league team in calgary the city that i grew up in so that's for dad. And uh, this is in honor of my great conversation with Norman at the end of the, uh, <laughs> the, end of the, the end of the episode, the end of the movie. About Norman being a shortstop. Mm -hmm. Norman's a shortstop. Yep. I'm the sure, non-existent sure shortstop. Short <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's <clears throat> jump in. So this one, this movie is very, very different in a lot of ways. Number one, we fall into a, in a, into a completely false sense of security at the end of From the Heart. <laughs> oh my gosh, when this movie started, I was almost mad because I thought, wait a minute, this was supposed to be the beautiful long promised dinner and look at them, they're dancing and he's quoting poetry and this is gorgeous. And then we start this movie and it goes a little deeper and it was a disaster. <laughs> it was so sad it was so sad i think my favorite part was the beginning when oliver walks in and he's like good morning norman rita miss mcelroy <laughs> and i i love how rita impersonates him later she's like <laughs> Good morning, 
McInerney. <laughs> she does awesome. such a funny job. Crystal was awesome in that one. The other, the other thing that is really interesting about this movie installment is the letters are lost for a matter of days. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the letter story is not eight years. It's not six months. It's not even a it's not even a full month. They, they've been lost, quote unquote, for a couple of days. So it was yeah. an, interesting, an interesting spin on the DLO. Right. And it's different too, because they don't have the letter. The letter is not well, lost yes, with them. <laughs> They're trying to find the letter out in the world. <laughs> right. So we start off with Nikki, a server at Montaldo's Running to catch up to who we find out is Dudley Curly or Curly Dudley. I'm gonna call you Dud. <laughs> yes. But okay, so my first thought is after that whole conversation, how could he do that? You know, <laughs> after a- after she's going uh uh uh, all of the hemming and hawing, and she kisses the envelope, and it's just like ripping on a- off a bandage. And here, I'm like, how could you possibly go through with it of stealing this this little section of mail after that? The man had no heart at that point. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he was driven by revenge. No shame. No shame. And I think deep down he knew he was never going to destroy the letters. Yeah. Like they no. were just kind of delayed. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't work as a postal worker for 45 years and then just burn letters. It, it, was, all, it was all a bunch of talk. <laughs> all right, so... I want to know what I don't want to know what everybody thought about this back and forth of Nikki and Graham going back and forth. They're on their first date. No, it's their anniversary. No, they're on their first date. What What did you guys think of that? I feel like that would have been me and my husband <laughs> because he doesn't listen to the podcast, so I think I could say it. When it comes to instinctual things like that, he's usually right, which is weird. <laughs> I know, I know. He he's usually right on the money. Like we'll be looking at a couple, and he's like, "They're gonna break up," and I'm like, "They're so in love." And sure enough, they break up two weeks later, and I'm like, "How dare you?" Wow. <laughs> you know, it's so weird for a dude. Would you call that? Would you call that emotional intelligence, or what is that? Dude? He must have higher emotional intelligence than I do. <laughs> a sixth sense. <laughs> I don't know how that could be possible, but okay, we'll go with it. <laughs> Jess, what do you think about their back and forth? And <laughs> maybe it's me because I guess I wouldn't be the one like looking at other like people and trying to. I don't like people watching that way. I guess we've I'm got like... the non-hopeless romantic <laughs> over here, so she doesn't care about I'm chemistry. Like, here's what everyone else is doing. There's food. Like, let's eat. Like, you know, <laughs> minds her own business. <laughs> There's food. We don't, we don't care what's going on. In there. regular life, people love that. But in the Hallmark world, you wouldn't make it five <laughs> we feet. We wouldn't hear every you conversation. <laughs> so, Lane, what do you think about that whole back and forth? Well, uh, I think that um, I, I think I have to go uh, on, on, uh, on the side of it uh, not being anybody's business but the people that are having the conversation at the table and, uh, ooh. The, okay Casey we lose <laughs> 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 all right so in walks 
Mr. Kimsicle. I I love how I love how you say O'Toole, Mr. Kimsicle. Yeah, right. <laughs> very very subtle, not so subtle way of saying excuse me. Yep. <laughs> and there's like yeah, a full had, CIA what? theme of like that was, that was a big part of his character. He had to always make sure everybody understood their position in relationship to him. Yes, it had very propriety. Important. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, because ultimately he wasn't that comfortable in his position. No. <laughs> we talked about Oliver. We talked about Lester. Just an, <laughs> just an insecure, lonely, lonely man. Oh, poor Kimsicle. <laughs> we need to get that. We need to get that man a popsicle. Maybe that'll make right. him feel better. Yeah, I have hopes for Kimsicle. I'll share those at the end. Kimsicle. Your hopes. Here's a popsicle. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny, Cammy, that you just asked, what, what was that you or Oliver? Because it's an interesting thing that, you know, Kim Sigal is very uncertain in his career position, you know, feeling that authority. Oliver is very uncertain in his relationship with Shane. And like, that's what the entire movie's about. <laughs> <laughs> like, where are we? And like, what is this? And I don't know if it's a date. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Was there anything more painful than watching the steps of that date? I just, oh my goodness. I mean, I'm with Shane. It was like group therapy with seafood. <laughs> just, it was, it was painful. It was painful to relive that with her and just how every single word that came out of his mouth was a total mishap. Just like landmine here, landmine there. <laughs> like, you're boom, especially boom, boom. when it, when Nikki gets to their table and she's like, oh, I knew it. You guys are on your anniversary or something. And um, Oliver says, oh no, we're just friends. Like, oh. <sighs> first Foot of all, <laughs> who brings he's a just doing, friend? He's doing the right thing. <laughs> well, I mean, dancing, fancy wine, yeah. fancy food, six course meal. Valentine to go with the invitation. <laughs> handmade. 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 <laughs> you didn't buy a Hallmark card, guys. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it's, it, it was funny to me, too, because during that scene, Shane takes a drink like every other word that for every I other need session. This. I really need this. <laughs> I think she like tipped up her glass maybe about 17 times. That's an exaggeration, but Probably. it was funny to me because it was so she was so awkward. I'm like, you poor thing. Mm -hmm. And Oliver, as our friend Caroline would say, Caroline's another co-host at Hallmarkies Pod, and she's Bless from South Carolina. <laughs> In the most southern way possible. Bless Indeed. his heart. <laughs> <laughs> that just means you're being a jerk. Please stop it. You know? <laughs> but, but one thing in Oliver's defense, I, I mean, if I was on a date and like some random person, I don't know, was like, oh my gosh, like you guys are like on your anniversary. And they haven't, Oliver and Shane haven't had that conversation. And I think that was his way of avoiding a conversation with a stranger that he hadn't even had with her yet. Yeah. And, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I, I wouldn't be so quick to be like oh yeah we're, we're you know dating and that he hasn't even had that conversation with her yet right. yeah so. no you say it's your first date but the problem is Oliver's so insecure about you're that that he can't even say that you want to jinx it yeah <laughs> you don't want to jinx it and all of a sudden it's it, yeah I don't know I'm I'm with Oliver on this one just you know play it play it a little safe for now off the top with strangers <laughs> Okay, yeah. with the yeah. whole stranger 
point of view. Okay, I, I guess I could kind of understand that. And it was definitely a knee-jerk reaction too. I mean, he didn't, mm-hmm. he said it so fast, you knew he wasn't thinking because as soon as he said it, he, he was, was like, like oh, <laughs> I'm trying to grab back the words and I'm trying to fix this. And, and as he was fixing it, he was just digging himself into a deeper <laughs> hole. Dang, Poor dang, thing. Uh, shovel dirt <laughs> going <do>. deeper. <laughs> well, and then it didn't right. help that Shane goes completely savage on him from that point when she's oh. talking about the rose bush and she's like, it never really took. I think it died. And like she's just being so harsh. And, uh. well, but then Oliver doesn't help when he says, you know, it helps if you plant a rose bush near the <laughs> final resting place of a family pet. That's a Norman answer, I feel like. That's, That's a total Norman, Norman answer. <laughs> All right. So, Lane, let's go back to that first scene with uh, Greek or Peruvian. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I lived in Central America for three years, and so yeah. I take that I take that comment very personally. You yeah, know, just like ah ah. You know? <laughs> that just gave us such a great little insight into Lester's uh, into Lester's character and where he comes from. And as far as I don't mean where, like in where is geographically, but right. He's just a really a clueless guy. He's totally just clueless. <laughs> you know, Greek or Peruvian or something. Those things couldn't be further apart. They're far apart as Michael and Lester. That's exactly right. So what would you say, what would you say was your favorite part about playing Lester? Um there it was challenging. Like it was challenging for me because I, I tend to radiate towards drama. So okay. it was challenging to play the comedy of it. Um uh the, I just generally the fun we got to have. One of the things that one of the things that Kevin and I talked about in the beginning, it was really important to Kevin uh, in the scene in the office, which we'll get to in Le- in, in Lester's office where we're talking about the duck. And, oh, go for it. That's where we're at. So go okay. for it. Okay. And uh, oh, I thought we were. I thought there was a scene before that. So, but one of the things that Kevin said is, if you're if you're talking, you're moving. I don't want you to ever be standing still while you're speaking. You're constantly moving and pacing, and which is an actor that kind of gives you the freedom to sort of be big and play. And you know, we just from stem to stern, and we like did all this <laughs> kind of stuff. And and uh, and it gave it gave the it gave him it gave me permission to be really free with things like bellowing into the into the um, megaphone, oh, which my you word. don't need to do. You don't, the whole thing about a megaphone is that you can just hold it up to your mouth. And, and, and I said to Kevin, I'm like, it feels like he should bellow. I mean, I I don't want to make people say, oh, no, no, Lester should absolutely bellow into that megaphone. (laughs) And, and that's, you know, so that's kind of what we did. Um, So that I think the, the freedom to just really play with him. Um, And, uh, and uh, my favorite, yeah, I think my favorite moment comes later, but I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that. But go um, ahead and say it because I mean, if they're well, my, listening to the podcast, they've seen the movie. So, my favorite moment is at the end when he cries, when uh, when he's listening to uh, to 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 the record, when he's listening to Oliver on the radio talk about his feelings, and he gets he gets emotional, he gets he gets emotional, and that that gives me a little hope for Lester. You know, we kind of have hope that he's not just a 
horrible person that there's love and affection in there but um that and when he when he uh when he tells Dudley, he, uh, he'll call him Dud and he needs to see some proof of life. <laughs> proof of life! Yeah. I mean, there were I'm lots. talking lots to you, you moron! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need to see some proof of life. Proof of life? Yeah. Yeah, and, and the guy who played Dudley was, was great too because he, he was kind of up in the, the levity of it and gave you guys a great dynamic because his character is a little bit you know, ridiculous in a way too, in how he- He's completely ridiculous. You know? <laughs> Peter Hamlin, and you know, you know what's, what's funny about that is obviously the scene where he's in the house, I can't see him. Mm -hmm. He's just yelling, but he was, he gay, it's kind of like people say, Tom Hanks is on the under, other end of the phone. If you have a phone conversation with Tom Hanks, Peter was the same way. He didn't, he didn't, uh, he he didn't. Uh, ooh, I almost said a, a word that I wouldn't want to say in a Hallmark podcast. He he absolutely gave everything to every take, even when we couldn't see him, and even when the camera wasn't on him, he was back behind that wall yelling. And so that he was, it was really fun to work with him. Really, really fun to work with him. Yeah. Was there any part? Was there any part of Lester that was challenging, or was he just kind of a fun character? Because we talked about you playing Michael, that there were a lot of challenging aspects. Was, was there a part of Lester that was, I mean, any role is challenging in, in its own way, but I, I think in my perspective that this one was kind of a chance for you to just sit back and have some fun and just to be go honest at with it. You, to be honest with you, it was. And that, I mean, that can be challenging in its own way. Comedy is always a bit challenging. Yeah. Um, but, uh, this again, I mean, it always comes back to the way Martha writes. Martha's characters just come off the page and he came right off the page. It was really obvious what Lester was about and what he wanted and, and you know, mix that with Kevin Fair's direction. And it, it was just, it was a very, very playful, fun experience. And I'm sure irritating at times. There's no <laughs> doubt in my mind that cast members were like, can we please stop bellowing? You know? <laughs> There's just no doubt in my mind about that. But um, for the most part, it was just a really fun, playful experience. Um, and another real, another huge highlight was working with uh, Gregory Harrison, who I've watched mm. my whole life, right? I mean, he's, he's, and actually getting to sit down and talk to him about his experience as a, as a, as a veteran Broadway actor and, a, and a, one of the great, one of the great actors um, of, uh, of the last generation. And, and so that was, it was quite an honor to be able to sit down with him as well and, and learn, just learn. You, you know? didn't call him FedEx in those conversations, I hope. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I didn't call him Tom Wopat either. Um, that, that's, a, that, that's a bit of an inside joke that I'll share with you. He, I, growing up, when I was a kid, I, watch Dukes of Hazards a uh, lot. And we watched St. Elsewhere a uh -huh. lot. And I always confuse Tom Wopat, who played uh, Luke Duke, with Gregory Harrison. Oh, dear. Always. <laughs> and he said, and I told him that story on set. I said, you know, I, growing up, I always, does that ever happen to me? He said, honestly, it's happened to me my, my entire career. It still happens to me. And he's one of my best friends in life. Oh, Tom wow. and him are like are like really really good pals, 
and uh, and and it's been happening to both of them their entire career. So I didn't feel so bad about that. That's so funny. <laughs> I used to I used to confuse Matthew McConaughey and Josh Lucas. Those oh, are the two wow. that I would get confused. I'm like, okay, which one is that? Okay, you know, <laughs> that was that was my that was my actor confusion. <laughs> so, uh, Jess, Casey, did you guys ever do that? <laughs> I don't think so. That I have, but I, I will say, so because I watched Seinfeld, you know, in the living room, my kids are like running around. Um, uh, what's her name? Oh my goodness. I just lost it. The girl who, um, Allison Sweeney. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Allison Sweeney had a, did a movie with, um, with Crystal Lowe and my daughter was like, oh, it's Shane. <laughs> I <was> <laughs> No, sweetie, that's 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 not her. She's like, it, it's Shane. It's Shane. <laughs> I'm like, no, <laughs> you have the same blonde hair, but no, that's that's wrong person. <laughs> You'd be surprised what comes out of my kid's mouth in that area. <laughs> too many to list now. So. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the uh, conversation about Dale really quick. <laughs> yes, uh, well, we need to call a friend and oh dale who's he oh dale is a she dale's a soprano dale's lovely (laughs) (laughs) not gonna lie it kind of surprised me the fact that um rita had known and she's got a fantastic memory and obviously she's known oliver for a few years now that she did not know who dale was i think that says a lot about how he feels about dale though Mm-hmm. And I mean, also their, you know, working relationship, how much they've grown, because they're obviously strictly boss and employee up until Shane came into the picture. Mm-hmm. But when Rita said, who's he? I was like, you don't know. You don't know who this Dale's person is at all. Especially since Rita had always said, oh, yeah, she, you know, let's talk about Holly. I know all about Holly and I know all about how Oliver sings in the choir and he always goes Mm -hmm. to practice on these certain nights. It was just very surprising that she knew nothing of Dale and Dale and Oliver had known each other for 16 years by this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's it's, uh, funny, actually, when we when we did um, our last interview with Elaine and I was watching Dark and Night and I was like, you know, who'd be really good here? Dale. Why why isn't Dale here helping? Uh. You know, stop Michael and, and involving a little bit of police action here. So, yeah, I guess <laughs> yeah, she was, was she a character yet? No, no. she had been she had been the focus of a love story right. and that of a dead letter, but Dale had not entered the picture yet. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, yeah, she would have been <laughs> like, where's Dale? <laughs> but she might have impeded the. He might have had a harder time getting getting that gun into the courtroom if Dale was around. So it might have been that's true. might have been a bit too much of an obstacle. That's that's to- yeah, that's totally true. And so speaking of which, we talked about this last time, but I just think that it is so funny when Jess pointed out that you were in the episode where the Postables won the Dark right. Knight Award, mm-hmm. and now. You're in the movie where the Dark of Night Award is uh, is coveted, never actually stolen, but uh, where it's coveted, and they talk about your story. You know, <laughs> so that's yeah. a that's a really interesting <laughs> turn of events there because he got it in for the. Some the ways, in some ways, this was a bit of a bizarre experience. There were there were yeah. definitely times. My my first 
just sitting down with Martha for that first conversation um, uh, about Lester. And even on set, we sat down again and talked about him. And it was really strange to be, there were moments of um, deja vu where, <laughs> where you know, because Michael was a long time ago. Right. Michael was, was quite a few years ago. So it, there was like, I feel like I've had this conversation before. And I'm like, oh, yep, I've probably had a similar <laughs> conversation before. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of moments like that. Huh. So let's talk about Nikki and Graham for a second. Let me, let me ask you guys, I mean, Lane, obviously you had the script and so you knew, but when, but just from watching the film, when you guys heard uh, Graham on the phone, did you think he was cheating on her? Because I immediately said it's his mom or his sister or something, you know, it, I immediately said that I said, no, no, there's nothing there. There's nothing wrong here. He's not being a bad person. So I immediately thought the best of him. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it, but my mind generally goes that direction most of the time, just because it would be kind of a boring movie if he was just cheating on her. You right. Know, that would just be that would just end up the story wouldn't really have two more two the story wouldn't really have anywhere else to go. And if the story is gonna have somewhere else to go, then he can't. But that's where my that's where my mind goes to anyways. And that just comes, I think, from reading a lot of scripts and, mm -hmm. and a lot of right. but I thought I thought acting wise it was awesome. It wouldn't he didn't give anything away. Nothing, no, no, no. There was no, nothing no. given away by anybody. So um but yeah, no, just plot-wise. I'm, I'm hard to fool when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Casey, Jess, what about you ladies? What did you think when you saw that? I don't remember if I had a thought about that particular conversation, but what confused me a little bit is so she didn't really overhear his conversation. I mean, she was nearby, but she, she didn't seem like she heard it. Mm -hmm. um, and then when he went to her and like, we need to talk, like, he didn't even say anything, but like, he never even got that far. She just leapt to a conclusion and mm -hmm. I tailed it out of there. And like, it's like, you never even let him say anything. <laughs> he just said, and he like, didn't even follow. <laughs> you always follow. <laughs> I didn't know we're supposed, to, we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to follow. That part was so funny. We're supposed to follow. Yes. Like in the movies. <laughs> Except for this movie. <laughs> Except for this movie. <laughs> okay, so quick little piece of uh, trivia, a little Easter egg. Did you guys notice when Norman is, is holding the map for Nikki to point out where she saw uh, Dudley? Did you notice that he's in the same pose that he was in in, the, in Christmas? He did. No. He did one of the. No. He did one of the same poses that he did when he was playing Joseph. I thought, oh my gosh, look at that! He's doing it. It showed a great consistency of character, and it's a tiny millisecond little thing. I had to rewind it, and I said, oh my goodness, look at that! <laughs> and it just it just shows how consistent and how dedicated they are to these characters, which is something I really appreciate. <laughs> and that's that was Norman. Yeah, that was Norman. Yeah, Jeff's Jeff Gustafson's one of the one of the best actors I know. He's a he's he's a phenomenal, phenomenal actor. He studied with a really good coach here. And his stories has to tell, but he's he he's a he's a wonderful, wonderful actor. And so that that little things like that that he would bring to a character don't that doesn't surprise me in the least. He's he's easily that dedicated and, and easily that hardworking and 
yeah, he's a, he's a true pro. That's wonderful to hear. I mean, it shows, but it's also wonderful to hear the verification. All right. So let's talk about the bellowing in the mic in the megaphone. <laughs> let's talk about that scene. So we've got, we've got Dudley Curly Dudley <laughs> in his house threatening to burn the mail. And we've got Lester shouting at him. <laughs> And shouting it, shouting it, all of his, all of his. Oh, she's like, I'm breaking <laughs> things in my apartment. Lester's taking over. But and shouting it, shouting at all of his, uh, all of his minions. Yeah, that he too. At everyone, he's just can't stop shouting at people. So tell us about tell us about those days on set when you were filming those scenes. What what was there were, there tell us about that experience? Uh, they were a lot of fun. Um, I think on uh, the, there were a lot of extras. We were mm. in a beautiful neighborhood, um, and were the neighbors peeking out? <laughs> general neighbors. The neighbors are always peeking out. The neighbors, yeah. whenever there's trucks in the neighborhood, they're always around the outside. There's always people around the outside right. watching, watching what you're doing. People like to, to watch that, which I think is really cool. Um, uh, but honestly, like those were, th that was really the day, uh, where I had the most fun. I think it might've been two days. And that was, that was really where I had the most fun. And it was where Kevin and I had laughed the most together. Um, and, uh, and Amelia as well. She was usually a part of, a part of the, 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 the laughs off camera. Um, but in the same way that Scott Smith, collaborated around um, Michael Wheeler. It was very much the same with Kevin Fair, but in the other direction where Scott's really a really sensitive um, uh, kind of soft spirit. Kevin's funny. Kevin's a funny, funny, funny man. Mm -hmm. And we were able to find a lot of, a lot of humor, you know, Lester crying when, when he's listening to the thing and, and there's just little moments kind of sprinkled throughout. Should I bellow? I feel like I should bellow. Yeah. Bellow little things like that, where <laughs> we just sort of decided that, that it was the right thing to do. And we kind of threw caution to the wind and, and we went for it. And, you know, I think to some people, I think people, some people really liked it. I think some people probably didn't like it as much and thought that Lester was, you know, went a little too far and pushed it a little too much for, for, um, for the, for the, these movies. But at the end of the day, we feel like, and I feel like we were true to the character. We were true to Lester. Um, we tried to make him as funny as possible without making him just a complete jerk. And, uh, you know, <laughs> he wasn't, I think, <laughs> it, I think in some ways we succeeded in other ways we maybe didn't, but, uh, but that day was, that day was a blast. That day was a lot of fun for me. Perceived Lester as a complete jerk. He just seemed like a, a ditz kind of like a moronic ditz but he was so funny at it like I never he never came across to me as a jerk sure he was kind of jerky to Dudley Curly Dudley but it was so it was it was a hyperbole it seemed like mm -hmm. that character just seemed like a giant hyperbole and it, it made me laugh really? and like for me when I watched when I watched the canon I actually watched it out of order because I couldn't find the movies anywhere um so when I originally when I saw this I was kind of like this is a weird 
<laughs> movie. <laughs> and I was so wrapped up in the Shane and Oliver romance. And this one didn't have as much, you would, I would say. But watching it as a canon, I learned to really appreciate just all the comical quips from and like the quirkiness of Lester's character. Yeah. Um, and even more so, I never put two and two together that you were the same person who played <laughs> Michael Wheeler <laughs> because the characters were so different and because you know obviously because they're different characters you're gonna play them differently um like Lester had really wide eyes and was just very like you know and an accent yeah he's got that <laughs> accent and bellowy and duck. it's Colorado right <laughs> Denver, right but he's like yeah. I'm gonna call you dead <laughs> where does that accent come from we maybe from the cattle ranch you know, or something where does this accent from like, i don't know <laughs> i don't know it's just an accent <laughs> so i do have a quick question for lane um so because you had so much fun i assume there might have been some bloopers and i know fans are always looking for the behind the scene <laughs> funny tidbit story do you have any to share <sighs> Well, uh, or any like I don't, slip I ups don't, by accident? None that what's that slip ups, <laughs> tongue ties, uh, <laughs> Freudian slips. <laughs> none that none that I can remember. I mean, I, I, I mean, I feel like Lester was just one big blooper. Like, <laughs> I mean, the biggest thing is I've kind of already given it away a little bit. There were definitely moments where the other actors were like, dude, does he have to bellow so much? And I'm like, yeah. I want to know how many times the other actors cracked. Oh, yeah. yeah that, that's what I want to know, is yeah. standing right beside you with that megaphone just booming in their ear, and did they just go... Yeah. <laughs> just, and break. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kristen cracked when I hit on her. When I, <laughs> yeah. And in the table read too, she was like, what? And I was like, that's the line, you know? <laughs> I'm not doing I anything. Didn't write this. I didn't write it. Um, but yeah, there were, there were definitely some pretty, pretty fun moments like that. So let's switch over slightly and let's talk about that wonderful father-son conversation in the truck because somebody wouldn't let Joe out. <laughs> stay in the van or stay in the truck, FedEx. Yeah. It's government business. <laughs> so this was one, this was one of the moments that, you know, they found the humor, but it was not a humorous scene. And it's just one of those ones where it hit home it was really beautiful. And then it bled over into when they were in the scene with Curly as well, uh, where you have that really strong father-son dynamic. And I really love how, because even as an audience member, I couldn't quite put my finger on either one of their behavior. Shane and Oliver on the date. I'm like, why are they being so dumb right now? It was just, it was bugging me. And I really, really loved how Joe just laid it all out. He said, well, no wonder she brought up all those other men that she went to the restaurant with. It was self-defense. You, <laughs> you, you said she was just your friend. Okay, now, Lane, that is something that I am really sad that we did not get to see. Because in all of those flashbacks, we see the reaction of Oliver. 
you came here with Lester Kemsical? You know, just the utter horror in Oliver's face. But darn it all, we there was no time to actually show you on that date because I could just imagine how Shane's eyes must have rolled into the back of her head by the time the night was over. Yeah. Just check, please. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't a real date though. It was for postal security in the name oh, of postal it was security. security yeah, it was purposes. A, it was a, it was a, it was a business date. It was a work date. Did you and Kristen talk about what quote unquote happened in the backstory so that you had better interaction with each other on screen? Did you was that a conversation you guys had? Oh man, I wish I could say that we did, but we we didn't really. We just um we just kind of decided that whatever it was, it was, wasn't a long thing that we, you know, recognized that Shane had better judgment than to carry things too far with, uh, with old Lester, um, that it was probably fairly short in her mind, but that in Lester's mind, it was probably something a little more meaningful. Um, Apparently. uh, Yeah. (laughs) All right. So then we go in, then we go into the house and one of the things that even though it's kind of silly there are two things that i think are really powerful about this scene and i want to know what you guys think as well um there was the letter obviously the letter to curly that um, was sent by the little girl after he said no one knows who i am no one knows my name and no one's gonna miss me and then the fact that Oliver and Joe are still healing. They're not 100% back yet with each other. And to see Oliver go to such great lengths to help his father, to defend his father, those are the two things that I that really stuck out to me about that scene. That and Joe just being kind of the voice of reason. <laughs> Oliver and Curly are going back and forth. He's like, what are we doing here? What is this about? I was like, you go, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, that, but those two things really stuck out to me is that someone did know Curly's name. And one of those letters was worth a thousand Dark of Night awards because mm-hmm. she noticed and she loved him and she was going to miss him. And then that the fact that Oliver was defending his father, who he had been estranged with for a long time, and they weren't quite at 100%. And the fact that he just came straight up and did not even hesitate to uh to defend him really spoke volumes about his character i thought so what do you guys think of that scene lane what i know that you weren't in that scene and i don't even know if you were on set the day of that scene when the when that scene oh, was well, i was actually and but oh, I was, that was that was one of the two days that we shot the other stuff with lester um so uh i was there but i was also there for the conversation in the truck when he gives him his fatherly advice about about right. shane so and, yeah, please. Uh, that well, I just think that those are great moments that again, like going back to Martha Williamson, she just writes those moments so well. And mm-hmm. uh and ultimately ultimately it's it's amazing how with your family, no matter what you're coming back from, when things are really bad and your family needs you, you're just there for them. There's no question about it. I think that's a common that's a value that a lot of people can can relate to. Um and it's just one of those things that 
in, in, yeah, in moments when the chips are down, we're really there for each other. And I think those are, those are the kind of values that are woven. Uh, peace, forgiveness, redemption, those are all uh, moments that are woven through Martha's work and Martha's writing. Um, those kinds of themes. And, and I think that's just another example of, of that kind of a theme. And those are very real human experiences. All of our experiences don't have to be created by this, by this drama that results in tragedy. It can, it can, we can weave good stories about love and peace and forgiveness and kindness. And definitely we can, there can be conflict in those and there can be moments um, where we forget each other and ourselves. But um, I just love the way that, that Martha seems to write those, seems to weave those themes through her, through her stories and through her work. I think that's another example of it. And uh, Gregory and Eric uh, were really, really, really good together. They have a great chemistry together. Mm -hmm, they really yeah. were working with each other. Mm -hmm. And um, you could see that on set that day working with them you could see them pulling those scenes off um, and making them really 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 believable mm -hmm. yeah and there was definitely a lot of redemption too with both those storylines with Dudley Curley and with um, Oliver and his dad too which is like you know like you said and it goes back to Martha's writing um, but yeah it comes full circle lots of redemption lots of redemption and so, hopefully redemption not for, for Lester. Not Lester. for Lester yet. No, I have an, I have no redemption for Lester. No, no, wait, wait. We need I, redemption no. for Lester. <laughs> we will, no, we need redemption for Lester because we need Lester back. And I have yes. an idea on how to bring Lester back. Lester. He attends the wedding and he meets a very nice, very weird okay. person sitting next to her. Like, next or, to him. Hazel. Or, <laughs> Hazel. <laughs> Hazel. Or Shane's sister comes back and Shane and her sister, because her, their storyline is they've been estranged as well. And then they reconnect in one of the later movies. We never see her. So she's not an actual, um, she's not been played by anybody yet, but it would be kind of fun if we meet Alex, the sister, and she talks about how she met a, how she met a guy who was part of some security task force and it's Lester. <laughs> Oh and then Lester word. and Alex have to go on a double date with Shane and Oliver. Oh and it's just my a whole comedy of errors the whole entire it. movie. I think what would be really funny, <laughs> I think what would be really funny is if they met at some kind of a group where Lester was learning to be a better guy. And so the comedy in a double date and seeing Lester again is him trying so hard to be a better guy. And sometimes, sometimes not getting it right and sometimes getting it right. I think that would be, I think it would be great to see him make a little progress yeah. uh, as a person, as a human. I think that would be awesome and hysterical. I think, I think you guys can all bring the, to say that. What's that? <laughs> I think you guys could all bring the comedy with Oliver being all, you know, Oliver and straight laced and like, he's not a gentleman. What are you talking about? And Alex going, yes, he is look, he's really trying. And he said this and did this nice thing. And Shane's all like, that wasn't really that nice. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? But it is for Lester. It is for Lester. <laughs> exactly. So I think that would be fun. We got to bring you back, at least for the wedding. Hey, I feel the same way. 
And it could be a fun storyline too. Oh, that would, that would be, that would be something to behold. That's all I gotta say. So, so let's go, let's go back to the resolution for Nikki and Graham. I just, I love these two. I think that physically they make a very cute couple and then character wise, they're just adorable with one another. I think I think that the two of them when you see them they're the two, they're the kind of couple that you would cry if they didn't get together. They just belong together. You know, and I I have I wrote down her four things cuz it just it made me giggle so much. So, first, I love you forever, love you too. <laughs> and second, I'm really sorry that I ran off. And number three, you are so stupid. <laughs> and then what are we on? Four. Right. Four. Will you marry me? And he's not shocked. He's not saying, what are you talking about? He says, in a minute. It just, that's my kind of guy right there. It's so sweet. So sweet. And then just backtracking a little bit, we didn't really talk about this, but Rita's whole arc with talking about Bob and the breakup and how hurt Norman was that she had, heaven forbid, dated another guy in 20, in, in 20 years of her dating life. You know, she, she had actually dated somebody else, heaven forbid. But I, I was taken aback when he found when uh norman found out from nikki that bob was a scammer and he tells rita and she knows that norman would never lie to her and so there's no defensive reaction she just stops and thinks about it and she doesn't say oh that son of a <clears throat> you know she <laughs> there's no malice she just says wow poor Bob. He must've really needed the money. And I yeah. went, whoa. And when Norman said, you're amazing. I said, I echo that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I think Norman was very, very mature in how he brought her that information. He didn't kind of use it in a, a weird strategic that, oh, way. Yes. And, um, and he was like, oh yeah, I trust you, Rita, but I don't, I don't trust Bob. And here's why. And it's more like very Norman matter of fact. <laughs> I, did, I didn't even think about that. What about you two? I mean, I thought Bob was fake. <laughs> <laughs> well, just because the way she Mythical said. Mythical boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was, I don't know. It was just, it was so weird because they picked the name Bob. You know, Bob is just anybody. What's his name? His name is what Bob. Bob. <laughs> like my daughter today came back with, you know, her friends and her made a story and like the Dolph, the narwhal's name was Bob. I mean, Bob. Yeah. And she goes, yeah, I dated a guy named Bob. And I'm like, you did? Bob? What? <laughs> and the whole story of the whole storyline was so funny to me. Um, so the whole time I was thinking he was not like, I don't know, she was making him up for some reason. Um, <laughs> but I do, I do like how Norman, you know, approached that subject with her because it could have been 
done a different way. And we have seen, you know, a jealous Norman in the past with, I think, the previous Ramon. episode. Mm. And with Ramon. We know Ramon. <laughs> we know Ramon. <laughs> um, and also in From the Heart, which was the previous movie to this, he you know, is very jealous of the fact that she says that she's free as a bird. So um, just that little growth between movies, I think is fantastic between the mm-hmm. two. Absolutely. Uh, Lane, do you have, do you have any insights? Well, just, on- just that one of the things that, one of the things that I remember from doing this was that you could see the growth in their relationship in this one, that they seemed a lot closer and a lot more like a unit um, mm-hmm. in this one, uh, which I thought was really, really cool and they're really good friends in life it's pretty cool to see them together working and and be able to do this together the dream in this business is to be able to do this with your friends right actually work with people that you know your your friends or your family or someone like that and so for them to be able to do that it's pretty awesome oh my gosh (laughs) but we all know that norman was done baking I, I love that little analogy. That was that was super cute. That was that very was, cute. It's so applicable too. I mean, it is. It's something anybody can relate to. Even if you don't bake, you mm-hmm. you know that if a cake is not done, it's gooey, it's disgusting, and when a cake is done, it mm-hmm. is masterpiece. <laughs> and you don't keep opening the door, or your parents will yell at you. Right. <laughs> They flop, don't they? They'll fall over. Yeah. <laughs> no, if you yell a lot or, or stomp around near the oven, the cake falls, right? Isn't oh, that? Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about the oven door. No. No, 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 no the actual <laughs> cake. I'm, go- I'm talking about parents telling you what to do and what not to do. They, uh, yeah, if you, thump, if you thump too hard around it, then the cake can fall depending on the texture. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was the perfect analogy. And Rita saying it in her sweet, innocent little voice. Mm-hmm. It's just so sweet. And then th- this, oh my goodness, I just had one of, our, one of our moments, ladies. Every once in a while, we have ideas that pop up into our brains while we're talking. And it just happened to me. She serves, uh, Rita serves Oliver a piece of cake. <laughs> cake done. He was in the oven and now... Rita maybe subliminally is sending him a message saying, you are the cake for Shane. You just need to be done. Ding. <laughs> Ding. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> just Interesting. Occurred to me. Just occurred to me. Interesting. <laughs> well, real quick on that. It, one thing we haven't touched on is Shane's and um, Rita's growth as their friendship Mm. because this is the episode or the movie that Rita's all like tell me about your day with Oliver did you wear the pink dress did you do this did he kill you know (laughs) all the girl all the girlfriend type stuff that besties go through and as soon as Rita sees Oliver and Dale begin to talk she's just like I got to get on this and that's when she zooms over she distracts Dale takes her to make more punch and she gives Oliver the cake because she knows where Shane got it from. And it's like a yeah. nudge in the right direction. Like, mm-hmm. go get your, go get your Shane. Go, go, go. She's well, forgiving and, you. Hit, hit. Well, <laughs> and the other, the other thing that shows uh, Shane's and Rita's growth as, uh, as best friends is when Bob, you didn't tell me about Bob. 
And so the fact that she's saying, hey, wait a minute, I didn't know about Bob and I'm your best friend. I thought yeah. that was a really big move for their, for their relationship. So yeah, it, I, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, to see, to see Rita and Shane grow so much and to come into a comfortable place as, as best friends. Because when we go to the very end at, uh, to the altar, they're just, they're sisters practically. So it's, it's really, that's one of the relationships that's really fun to see step-by-step. And then of course we come to the end where things all come full circle and no animals were harmed in the blooming (laughs) of this rose. (laughs) And we, yeah, that one. (laughs) And we still understand that Lester is completely way too far gone oh, I, I, love, I love norman's face just who are i mean it's it's almost like norman is saying who are you and for norman to say that about somebody that's that takes a lot so it was hilarious he just looks at he just goes he just looks straight at me like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to bet, I'm going to bet five bucks that you could not look straight at him or you were going to crack up. I was, I was laughing my butt off through that whole, <laughs> that whole scene. He's so funny. <laughs> and everybody lives dancing ever after, at least until the next movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of my favorite ending scenes out of mo- like a lot of the movies like it's sweet i you know we know that i'm not the romantic of the group but sorry, that, what? <laughs> that whole dialogue that they have and i think it's interesting because it's a total role reversal where oliver is all like super confident like oh you didn't think we would have a you know second chance at montaldo's and shane's like uh like shane's the one fumbling for words and so should it's I put a, it on the calendar for this year? <laughs> about next Saturday. And I just, I love that. And I just, I love the ending scene because it's so light and it makes up for the entire very awkward date. <laughs> it really does. All right, everybody. Oh, great. Are you Every ready time. for Cammy's trivia? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, Lane's warming up over there. <laughs> Stretch it out. All right. Ready. All right, number one, the magic word is help. Yeah. <laughs> How about help? You, you need, you need something. Just say the magic word. What precisely is the magic word? How about help? Yep. <laughs> so clandestine of you, Lester. <laughs> All right. What is Oliver's description of meringue? A waste of a good egg. Whoa, Jess, (laughs) you are killing it today. That's a great line. Yeah, that is a great line because I don't care for meringue much either. So it's true. You just like throwing the whole yolk away. Like, what's that about? (laughs) All right. Are we ready for this one? This just makes me laugh before I even get it out of my mouth. Okay. What is Curly's lunch? It's um, corn fresh pastrami. pastrami with on rye. Nope. You're close. Cut, but you're you're close. <laughs> but it's no. not cornbread. It's not 
It's uh, corned beef pastrami on rye. Nope. Really? It's like corned beef. I know there's corned beef. There's corned beef. It's Lane, not. Oh, Lane, you're the old. Oh, oh, hold on. Lane gets a turn no, too, Jess. <laughs> no, I, it wasn't right anyway. I was thinking of something. I was thinking of something. Is it else. corned beef and ham on rye? No. No, you're, I don't remember. I'm sorry. Oh, is it <laughs> corned beef and like tuna? No. Oh, <laughs> I know it's weird. <laughs> it's something gross it is something gross i still remember lester saying the man's a savage savage. (laughs) (laughs) all right ready corned beef and chicken salad on white white. corned beef and chicken salad on white with mayo and coleslaw joe was ham on rye and norman was a double pastrami on (laughs) rye so you guys were kind of mixing all of the lunch orders (laughs) and then of course there was do you know what dale would want no good Good. (laughs) (laughs) and that's the way it should stay (laughs) all right all right what was the number what was the number form? 1067E. Very good. <laughs> I knew that was going to be a question. I memorized it. I almost didn't. I, but I almost didn't, but I decided I'd let you off easy. <laughs> okay. What was the little girl's name? Who Betsy. said Betsy. Early? Betsy. Betsy. I remember thinking it was really odd for a young girl to be named yeah, Betsy in this day and age. Betsy for a six-year-old? Or wow. It's like a grandmother's name. <laughs> okay. That's kind of common to name, to name kids after their grandparents now, isn't it? That's, isn't that true. True? That's, That's true. true. It's coming back, yeah. It is, yeah. Grace and like Hazel. You know, so Agnes, so. Hazel. My little girl is Lydia, which is a very old-fashioned name. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. All right. So, the burrowing yellowtail owl, where do they hail from? Antarctica. Oh. Nope. <laughs> well, that's where the letter was addressed to because I popped yes, it. <laughs> but there's a specific place. It's like Duval or Duvet or there's a V. <laughs> oh, I know it. I knew. Uh, there's a, it's like V. I, I don't know. There's a V in the middle. <laughs> yeah, but, but I don't know. <laughs> Bouvet. You had to, you know, you said duvet and yeah. bovair. <laughs> so yeah. you got. Yeah. yeah. I get yeah. half a point. Half a point. Yeah. <laughs> she, doesn't she doesn't need the points. I will never do well on these. This is my only one. This tells you how much I love one in a million. <laughs> she studied to look good for their guest star. <laughs> All right. All right. And here's a little bonus. Regulations are what? Regulations are, here, I'll, I'll give you some more. Regulations are blank on the gang plate of life, Missy. <laughs> it was one of your lines. Oh. <laughs> oh, man, I don't remember. I mean, I remember that line. I say it to Dale, don't I? No, I don't. Uh, no, you I say, say it's a shame. Say it's a shame. Because so she's, philosophical, trying to, like she's trying to take the letter, but she'll get it back in the DLO. Oh, for right. heaven's sake, Lester. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like remember. A, okay. Um, 
Never mind. I lost it. Life jackets. Life jackets. Regulations or life, life jackets, jackets on the gleam on the gang yeah. plank of life. Yes, yeah, say say correct. say it for us, please. Regulations or what is that? Life Regulations jackets. or life jackets on the gang plank of life, Missy. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> that was perfect. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so, so much for tuning in. Lane, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us where people can find you. Thanks again for having me. You can find me on Twitter at Lane Edwards, uh, Instagram at Lane underscore Edwards 14. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. For more juicy details and to hear what's coming up, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Deliver Me a Pod and on Instagram at Deliver Me a Podcast. And please check out our merch store for tons of postables inspired merchandise to enhance your fandom. See you next week. <laughs>